Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Uh, hey, a welcome here. It's good to meet. Amen. It's good to worship together, to, to praise our God. And yeah, I'm just going to pray and let's just continue this worship. Yeah, God, we thank you for who you are. You are a God that's so worthy to be praised and worshiped, Father. And God, we, we don't want to just limit our worship to song. We want to worship you this morning with, with our giving. God, as, as we give an offering, that's just, just a, a worshipful act saying that it's all yours, God, and, and you deserve everything, God. So we give back to you with worship. God, we want to listen to your word this morning with worship as well. And thank you, Father, that you just want to speak to your children. And I just ask that, that you, would, you would do that today. I believe you're excited to speak to your children today. So do that. Have your way this morning. And yeah, just thank you for a new day to, to love you, a new day to live for you and worship you. Amen. Right on. So we are in our Summer in the Psalms series it's been a lot of fun. We uh, just want to let you know, too, we have devotional books in the, the auditorium as well that I invite you to, to take. And I love these devotional books because they just focus on the actual Psalms. It goes through Psalms 1, Psalms 2, Psalms 3. So it gets you to read the Bible, and then it also gets you to... Um, reflect and think about what was actually just said so that, that it's not only a reading, but, but you can have an interaction with God as well. So I encourage you uh, to take those in the, in the foyer. They're there for you so that we can not only come here and hear a message, but we can continue to commune with the Lord all week. That sounds pretty cool, right? Awesome. So let's do that. Um, yeah, are you guys enjoying your, your summers? How are you enjoying things? It's a steamer out there today, I hear. I've been inside for long enough, but I've heard it's hot. Yesterday I was golfing, and by hole two, I was, I was wet as my ball on hole two, which I actually hit it in the water twice on hole two. Um, but I was wet as well, and uh, it was really good. We were celebrating my dad's retirement. My dad is retired, and uh, yeah, it was just happy to, it was awesome experience just to celebrate with, with my dad, and we had both my nephews there, and uh, the oldest in particular, his tagline, he has a good tagline, it's go, go, go. Um, we want to make him a little shirt that says go, 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 and uh, so me and him were just go, going. My, my monkey impression really uh, gets him excited, and then we kind of fuel each other's fire in that way. But I think sometimes in life, this is, this is the attitude that we have, and this is the culture we live in. It's a go, go, go culture, right? It's fast-paced. It's go, go, go. And I really believe that, that that's not the rhythm that God wanted to establish our lives. I believe the rhythm that he wanted us to have is go, go, but also stop. Stop and rest. And if you actually look at creation, how amazing, just think of it, how amazing is it that Creation is a week, but one, one day is for rest, right? He gave us this day as a gift because he wanted us to establish, yes, we go, yes, we do things, but we also stop and we also rest. 
And so today we're going to be looking at mainly Psalms uh, 131. We're also going to be pulling from other Psalms as well, because this, this is a short Psalm. But we see David, and, and he, is, he is entering this experience of rest, and he, he is taking part in this go-go stop rhythm that I think we need to uh, partake in as well. In Psalms 131, let's read it, it says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't occupy myself with things too great and marvelous for me. I, I love that. It's like, I don't know everything. There are things where I'll never know, and I'm going to let you be God. And then he says, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord for this time and forevermore. So the, the start of the psalm, David is essentially saying that, that he is not proud. His eyes aren't lifted high. He, he is expressing, hey, I'm, I'm humble and I'm not God. And I don't know everything. And there's questions that I have, but I'll never figure it out. Because if I, if I try to figure everything out, there's just things too marvelous for me. And, and I'm me and you're God and that is a good thing. And I think this is a very important attitude that we need to have, and it's an attitude of humility. Pride has always been a problem for mankind, and it always will be. In your life, it's, there's always going to be a temptation to become prideful, and we have to be diligent in watching that, that we don't become prideful people, because I, I believe that the more proud we are, the less we think we need God. I, re I, I figured out how to put emojis in my papers, and right there, I stroked that part out, but right there there's an emoji that's going like this. Yikes. Because that's a yikes statement. Think about this. The more proud we are, the less we think we need God. And, and the more we need God, right? The less we think we need God, the less we'll, we'll rely on God for everything. And wow, in that place, will we need God, but we won't see it because we're, we're prideful. And so you might look at this first verse, what does this have to do with rest and calming yourself? Well, it has everything to do because in hum it's in humility that we realize that we're not it. We're not the answer. We don't have what it takes. We don't have the strength. And, and we need God's grace and help in every moment of our life. Right? So this sets the tone for us going to God. It's in our humility. And David, he knew this. Look at Psalms 33. I love this, this passage here. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its strength, it can't save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He's our help. He's our shield. In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. See, David, you know, even in his kingship, even in everything he had, he got and understood that's nothing. It's nothing. If, if we're actually talking about my hope, if we're actually talking about my salvation, if, if I actually want to bring this nation anywhere, it's not in the strength, 
It's not in my bank account. It's not in my horses. It's not in my army. It's only on God. And so this is the attitude that brought him to go to the Lord. Um, He made God his solution, and he knew that God was his solution. He knew that God was his salvation. And this is what God wants to be in your life. And that's good news. He wants to be your solution. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your strength. I have a smiley face behind that statement there. Because that is good news. It's good news that it, I don't have what it takes. Just like Claude preached a few weeks back. It's good. I don't know how many times he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. It was so funny. I want to cut that up. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And that's the best news that we can't do it. Because he, it's about him and his strength working through us. It's good news that we're not our own savior because we make a bad savior. And the Lord makes a good savior. Right? And so this is good news, but sometimes in our pride, we don't go to God, and we don't rely on his strength. Look in Isaiah 30. This is what God says to Judah, and, and, and the, kind of what's happening here is the, the Assyrians are about to attack Judah, and, and Judah looks, and, and they, need, they need help in the situation, and so what does Judah do? Judah says, hey, Egypt, let's, let's go check in with Egypt. They have a strong army. They can help us. Think about that. That is sad. How sad is that? God delivers them from Egypt, the bondage of Egypt, the slavery of Egypt, out of their hands. He puts them in a land, and here they are in trouble. And do they go and look to God for help? No, let's go look. Let's go talk to Egypt. Maybe they can help us. Oh, that's too bad. And so this is what God says about, their situ- about this choice to look to Egypt. He says, only in returning or repenting to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll go get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. It's sad, right? It's a sad story because God wants to be there for them. He wants to be their strength. He wants to be their deliverance. And they go to the people that held them in bondage and slavery for all those years. They go back to them. And so David in this verse, we see him not do this. We see him realize, I'm not God. I'm humble. And he chooses to go to God. And, and verse 2 is really powerful. It says, I have quieted, I've calmed and quieted my soul. That's, that's a big phrase. How, that's hard, right? Who can, who can attest that is a hard thing to do? I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And so first of all, I want to look at just the fact that David was able to deal with what his soul was going through. It says he, he calmed and he quieted it, which essentially would mean it probably didn't feel, it needed calming and quieting, right? His soul was in turmoil, his soul was in distress, but he brings his soul to this place of being calm and quiet. And this is a skill that, that we, or whatever, it's, it's something we need to learn to do, 
we need to learn with dealing with what, what we're feeling inside of our soul. You could probably define your soul as, as your mind, your will, and emotions. But this is where the battlefield of life is, right? You have your thoughts. You have God's thoughts. That's great. You have the enemy's thoughts. He's the father of lies. He's going to interject. Sometimes your thoughts are, are good and in line with truth because you've been filling yourself with the word of God. And sometimes they're not. And you're believing lies. And so in this place, in your soul, you also have feelings that are sometimes a whirling dervish of confusion and anxiety and all of these things. Your soul can be wild, right? And today, in our, our culture today, much emphasis is put on following, following your feelings, validating your heart, follow your heart. Have you heard that advice, follow your heart? How many of you have heard that? You hear it all the time, follow your heart. Don't do that, it's bad advice. I'd be so broke right now. It's not good. It's not good to follow your heart. Man, your heart can be, your heart can, yeah, some days get it right and, and, and your emotions are wanting to follow God and some days it can be really far from that. And you want to get revenge on someone. You want to hold bitterness against things. So that, you don't want to do that. You want to follow truth and be grounded on, on truth. You want to follow God and his ways. You want to read his word so you know what that means and then live that, that out. So you do not want to follow your heart. Please don't. You want to follow God and his truth. So what are you going to do with your soul? What are you going to do with your soul when it's in turmoil? Well, David, what he does is, is he constantly talks to his soul. It's, it's kind of funny. He says, you, he, he says to his soul in Psalms, you'll bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In, in Psalms 57, he's in a cave and Saul is wanting to, to kill him. I'm sure, imagine his soul in that place. You feel vulnerable, you feel afraid, and what does he do? He actually says in that psalm, awake my soul. Awake my soul and praise God. I don't think his soul wanted to praise God. You know, if, if he would have been in church that morning, I don't think he would have wanted to. Oh, I just want to praise you, God. I feel great, I feel good, everything's awesome. He didn't probably feel that way, but he knew the truth that God's always worthy of praise. God's always good. And so despite what situation I'm in and despite how I feel about that, I'm going to praise God because he's worthy. He does this again in Psalms 42. Look at this. He's speaking to his soul again. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's talking to himself. Hey, why do you feel really down? Why are you disturbed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. He doesn't, he doesn't pretend, right? David doesn't pretend he's just feeling like a million dollars like sometimes we do, right? How are you doing? Good. I'm, I'm just great. I'm great. Great. You're, he's not. He's not great. And he's admitting that he's not great. He's admitting my soul is downcast. So therefore what? And that's big. When you're in this place, what are you going to do? My soul is downcast, therefore, what are you going to do? And David says, therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from the Mount of Mazar. 
Isn't that awesome? His soul is downcast and he brings his soul, he instructs his soul, I'm really down right now, therefore I need to meditate on who God is. Therefore I need to meditate on his promises. I need to remember God and his faithfulness, how awesome and faithful he's been in my life, how awesome and faithful he's been in, in, in the life of, of keeping you know, my, my people God is awesome, and so my soul is downcast, but I'm going to remember God. So he brings his soul to this place of hope. And in Psalms 131, this is what David does. He brings his soul to be calm. I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with his mother. And it's the exact opposite of, of, of what the people did in Isaiah 30. But God was inviting those people to rest in him. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Isn't that awesome? In quietness and confidence is your strength. In this place of returning to God and resting in God is strength. That's the picture of rest. Or that's the picture of strength that the Bible gives. It's rest. It's resting in the arms of God. That's, that's where you're strong. Why is that where you're strong? Why is resting in the arms of, of your God a place of strength? Because you've probably decided, I'm not going to solve this and I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough and I'm not good enough and so I need to throw myself into the arms of my father where he can be my strength. It's a place of surrender, right? It's a place where you're, where you're surrendering your life and saying, it's not my horses that are gonna win the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord so I need to rest in him. And it's in this place where you're in the arms of, of God where he is speaking to you he is fueling you. He is giving you the grace and strength you need to live your life, right? And so this is the image of strength. And I really believe that it's in this place that God speaks to you. It's in this place that God fuels you to live your life. And lots could be said about, um, if, if you ask the question, you know, why, why, why don't I hear God in, in my life? Lots could be said about that. Right? Why don't I hear God's instruction? Lots could be said. And one important thing that could be said is, are you reading your Bible? Right? Are you reading your word? If, if you're not reading your Bible, God is, wants to speak to you there. Right? This, the word is alive, and so God wants to speak to you in that place. But another thing I would say, if you feel that, that you're having trouble connecting with God, is have you, have you managed to wean your soul? Have you managed to calm and quiet your soul to actually be with God and actually just sit in that place? Because I believe this, this is where he refreshes us. This is where he gives us strength in this place. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Isn't that cool? God's guiding me, God's with me, so I've got everything I need through his grace. Doesn't mean you'll have all the money you want, but it means you'll have God, and that's all you need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. It's by, by these, the, in these places, in green pastures and quiet waters where David's soul is refreshed and notice that the good shepherd led David to those places, led David to lie down by green pastures, led David to beside quiet waters because he needed to refresh his soul, right? We need our souls refreshed by God. And, and so we need to allow God be the shepherd of our life to lead us beside quiet waters, to lead us beside green pastures and lie down and lie down. Um, this, next, this next week, uh, me, me and Valerie are going to be going on a, like kind of a, a minister's retreat. In, uh, it's, it's a focus on the family retreat. And it's going to be such an awesome time. There's going to be some sessions and some devos, some personal sessions with me and Valerie, some group sessions with the whole group. But I'm, I'm guessing from, from experience and, and from, I think, the truth so I'm guessing the most important part of these sessions or this week, it's not going to be when I hear someone say something and, and it's like, whoa, okay, that's wow. It's probably going to, that, not that that's bad, but the most important part I, I think of this retreat is probably going to be when I bring my soul to a place of calmness and quietness to be with my maker when I meditate on his word, I slow down and I just rest in him. And in that place, I, I'm, he's, he's going to speak to me. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me into truth like the Holy Spirit does. And it's, it's in this place where I'm going to find refreshing. It's in this place I'll find refreshing. And so I, I just want to encourage you, we have to be intentional about taking time to let the shepherd lead us beside quiet waters and green pastures. We have to be intentional. If Jesus could do it, then, then we could easily do it as well. And this is what Jesus did. Look, Luke 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So imagine, imagine the, you know, his ministry and how demanding it was. People would follow him around. You know, he would get off a boat. The crowd is, hey, we're here. Minister to us. Like the demand on Jesus' life, huge, right? The popularity is spreading. Uh, words of the miracles and everything is spreading. The, the need is so big. But yet he still found time to withdraw. He said yes to his ministry and calling, absolutely. But part of saying yes to your ministry and calling is saying yes to being with the Lord. Because how in the world are you going to fulfill your ministry and calling without being with the Lord? You can't. You, you, you can't. And so Jesus knew that, that saying yes to the people, he also had to say yes to being with his Father. Because this is, this is important. And so we have to learn to withdraw like Jesus did. Because we're never going to have everything done. Amen? Do you ever in your life where you're like, I'm done. I fit, like every crumb in the house is cleaned. All my children are clean. Their ears, every crevice, every nook, every cranny, it's all done. So I can rest now till the next need arises. No, 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 that will never be your life. 
You'll never be done. You can retire from your work. There's still going to be things. I'm going to call my dad all the time. Can you fix this? Can you help me with this in church? Like, he'll be busy. <laughs> I said you're working for the church now, dad. <laughs> so we'll never be dead in everything. So we have to learn to withdraw. We have to learn to let our shepherd lead us beside quiet waters. And that doesn't mean that you can show up to work Monday morning and say to your boss, like, hey, I need to withdraw. No, you don't say no. You don't say no to your responsibilities, right? If you're a parent and your baby's crying, like, oh, shepherd's calling me to withdraw. No, no, you, you still have responsibilities. But in the busyness of life, you, you have to find time. I know it can be hard. I know it's hard, and I, and I know some of you are like, how is that possible? I'm not saying it's easy to do this and find times like this. I'm just saying it's, it's essential, and you have to. Because how in the world are you going to find strength to live your life if you're not being with God? You can't. You literally can't. Like, you need his strength and his grace to guide you. You, you need this place of intimacy where you're resting in your father's arms, where, where you're just leaning, leaning back and, and you're letting him speak to you so that you can live your life and live your calling. And this is what Jesus did and we need to do it too. Another issue to doing this is sometimes it's not just the busy, busyness of life that keeps us away from God. It's, it's sometimes our, our soul we, we, want, we want to go to quiet waters, but there's a storm inside of our soul, right? And the waters of our soul are choppy. And, and, and it, it, in, in those cases where we're in a storm, the last thing we want to do is just rest with God, right? Usually that's when you want to take things into your own hands. That's when you want to, you know, call up your friend and, and complain or I don't know what it is. That's the last moment that you usually want to retreat and be with the Father, but that's the moment you need it the most, I believe, right? So look at David in Psalm 62. This is so cool. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He's, he's silent, and then he's reciting truth of who God is. From him comes my salvation. He alone's my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, the only, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they cursed. Selah. So he starts with silence. He starts reciting the truth of who God is, and now he's getting into his problem. What's going on? People are bad-mouthing him, and he's got this storm in his soul. So what does he do next? For God alone, oh, my soul waits in silence. Again, his soul doesn't want to do this, I don't think. So he's telling his soul, you, you, you're going to do this. And he starts reciting truth. For my hope is from him. He's my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken on God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. So what does David do in this turmoil, in this, in this situation that's really bad? He makes a, a silence and truth sandwich. 
He, he surrounds it with silence and truth and being with the Lord so that, again, he, he can bring his soul. It says, it says he, it said he was like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. This is how he felt. But so he needed to be with God and remember that God was his fortress so that he wouldn't be shaken in that situation, so that he could act accordingly, so that he could be led and fueled by God to love and, 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 and follow his lead instead of the leading of a soul. Amen? So this is what we need to do. When it comes to God's truth, I, I think we need to be like steaks. I think it's getting close to lunch. Yeah, it's 12. It's true. We need to be like steaks, and God's truth is the marinade. And often we just dip the steak in there, right? I'll just read his word quickly. I just put a quick chapter in, take it right out. That's not how you marinate a steak, right? Oh, look, look at my, how am I gonna marinate a steak? Just, just, just dunk it, it's marinated. No, it's gotta sit in there. It's gotta sit in there. It's gotta break down the, the fibers. You have to give it time, right? And so we have to let God's word do this in our hearts as well. Look what it says in Colossians 3.16. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I want to ask you that. In, in a storm in your life or in any moment in your life right now, is the word of Christ dwelling in you richly? Dwelling in you richly. This is what we have to let it do. It's, it's not a, it's, it, we have to let the word of Christ dwell in us. So that it can be, it can transform us, so God can speak to us in that and, and so that we can live different because of it. Awesome. So let's, let's just recap. So what, what David said in the psalm is, I'm not proud. You're God and I'm not going to concern myself with things too great and marvelous for me. And David self-soothes his soul and he brings his soul to this place of resting in the arms of God like a weaned child with his mother. It's a place of trust and contentment with God. And verse three, it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. And what David is essentially saying at the end of the psalm is, hey, I, I invite you all to do this. Put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. If you look at the, the Hebrew words for wait, that when, when, when we read, well, wait, I, I ruined it. If you look at the Hebrew word for hope, it's, it's sometimes it actually translates wait, but the actual word, there's two different words, but they're both relating to waiting. The Hebrew word for hope is to wait. And some of you are like, wait? I don't like that. Right? I don't like waiting. Like, I don't like waiting. That's like a swear word for me. Waiting? Like, you're just tapping your foot like, come on, God, come through, come on, God. When's the miracle coming? When's this coming? When's my spouse going to be here, God? That's, that's not the waiting it talks about. When it's saying waiting and hope, it talks about a waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a waiting for God. It's a waiting on God. It's, it's a trust in his promises. Look at Psalms 130. In the beginning of the psalm, David, it says he cries out of the depths and he's crying for mercy. But later in the psalms, it says, wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. My whole being hopes in his word 
I put my hope. I will wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. He's in, he's in this hard scenario. He's in this tough place. And he, and he just says, I'm going to wait for God. I'm not going to let go of God. And this, this word here for wait in the Hebrew is kavah. And it means to bind, the root word of that word means to bind together perhaps by twisting. This is what waiting meant. And when it talks about hope and waiting, let's all just say, aw, aw, koalas are so cute. I believe this is a, a picture of hope right here. It's a binding ourselves to God. You know, we, we might be on a tree and up high in this, this dangerous place, but if I can hold on to God, if I, can, if I can wait on him, if I can bind my wandering heart to thee, if I can hold fast to his truth, hold fast to his promises that he'll never leave me, never forsake me, and I can stay in this place of hope and stay in this place of not leaving him, God's, God's going to do something. God's going to show up. God's going to be faithful. God's going to reveal himself. I, I dare you to just look up hope in the Bible and, and look at all the promises that, that it talks about of those who wait on the Lord, those who hope on the Lord. There's, there's some good things that come to those that do that. You want to hear a few now? I'm sorry, I got carried away. So we have four verses and they're going to come rapid fire. But I invite you to take these verses and just meditate on them later. One we read, Isaiah 30, 15. Only in returning to me and resting will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Lamentations 3:25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. That's awesome. The Lord is good. You want to wait for the Lord? You want to cling to the Lord? And I think part of that, that hope is a clinging to God, but then it's also a resting in the arms of our Father as well. It's a clinging, and it's just a resting and a waiting for Him. Well, He promises, His Word promises, He'll be good to you. He's going to be good to you. I don't exactly know what that looks like, but I think it's good. <laughs> Psalms 25, verse 2, those whose hope is in the Lord will never be put to shame. Wow. <laughs> Come on. And Isaiah 40, 13, oh, but those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.